Roll tight, everybody, and welcome to Bama Talk. I'm Steve Sample, along with engineer-producer Mark Phillips at Airway Recording Studio in Birmingham, Alabama, and we are locked and loaded for a trip to Tuscaloosa so we can take a look at the latest version of the Tide because the annual A-Day game kicks off the Crimson Tide's 2013 campaign to remain the biggest name in the game. The spring scrimmage this year starts the march to number 16, and it furnishes the faithful with a chance to show up and show off the fact that Bama fans will flock to Bryant-Denny for any chance to check out the Crimson Tide. And because Bama's A-Day crowds have been so spectacular since Coach Saban showed up in 07, ESPN's in town again to broadcast the spring battle that plays such an important part in the preseason process that's produced so many postseason appearances and parties and parades. Over the last several years, Bama set the bar in spring game attendance, and it's time to raise it again. So we want to see a Bama fan's rear end in every seat this Saturday. That's right, 101,821 having some fun, soaking up some sun, rocking the house, and rolling tide so T-Town can keep its crown as the king of spring. But now, while Bama's been the national leader in average attendance for spring games over the last several years, we came in second last year with 78,000 when Ohio State put 81,000 in the horseshoe, and that ain't gonna do, y'all. Penn State came in third with 60,000, but the SEC looked great with eight of the top 13 teams in terms of attendance totals. Now, Bama was way out in front in Southeastern Conference attendance figures, with Arkansas in second place, putting 45,000 in the pig pen. Georgia had 44,000 between the hedges, and Auburn came in fourth place with 43,000, and we assume that number didn't include livestock. Now, overall, the 14 SEC schools averaged 31,000 with the Big Ten in second place, conference-wise, with 27,000. Interestingly, even though USC sits right in the middle of Los Angeles with its estimated metro population of 18 million, the men from Troy drew only 15,000. That's pretty lame, Lane. But Boston College brought up the rear with a mere 200 people turning out for the Beantown Classic. Heck, we'd have more people than that show up for a game of checkers. And before somebody starts making a lot of methane about the South being all about college football, only because there aren't many pro teams in these markets, they need to remember that college football was a big deal long before pro football became what it is now. The game the Colts and Giants played in 58 that supposedly made the NFL came decades after a big Bama win over Penn that was a national story in 1922. The Rose Bowl had long since captured the fancy of football fans from all over the country, and the Tide had become Dixie's football pride by winning championships and the granddaddy of them all. Games that helped put major college football on the map many years before the pros were making any noise worth mentioning. So when you consider the smaller population centers teams in the South draw from, it's clear there's no question that college football can claim the most fervent fans, and they've had them, as Billy Joel would say, for the longest time. And as long as we're talking about attendance, Tide fans have a chance to make A-Day an all-day deal because there will be three games cranking up on campus Saturday. The softball teams led the nation the last several years in either annual attendance or per-game attendance, and they play Mississippi State Saturday at 4.30. So we need a packed house at the Rhodes House so we can help our Diamond Girls send the dogs back to Starkville in what amounts to a clear case of double jeopardy for the canines. You know, I mean, even if we lose, 
we get to stay in Tuscaloosa. You know, in women's college fast pitch softball, they have a mercy rule that ends the game after five innings if one team's ahead by eight runs. But in this case, you could say the more merciful mandate might be to make them play the full seven innings so they could delay making their way back to Startville. And they didn't name it that for nothing. Now, I know there are some fine people there, and I'm a Van Studeman fan myself, but you know you're not in the big city when the bridal shop sells cowbells. Then Bama baseball kicks in when LSU arrives at 7.05 to take on the Tide at the Joe. So if you want to roll Tide late Saturday night, the schedule's laid out just right. In the meantime, we've got a guest today that played a part in putting the tide at the top of the softball world and a lot of fans in the stands in 2012. Coming from Yorktown High School in Yorktown Heights, New York, she was a three-time All-State selection in softball, played basketball, and was vice president of her senior class. She played on a team at Alabama that set a school record for wins last year, going 60-8 and overall, with a 23-5 and mark in SEC play. As for just some of her individual honors, she made the All-SEC defensive team hit 331 for the season with 48 RBIs and 9 home runs. She appeared in all 68 games, starting 65 at first base, drew a team-high 47 walks, and ended the year with a 500 on-base percentage. She was an NFCA All-America Scholar athlete. She made the Capital One Academic All-District Team, the SEC Academic Honor Roll twice, and she was on the Dean's List every semester she was enrolled in school. Like so many of our student athletes these days, she was the bomb when it came to playing ball and hitting the books. Cassie Riley Bosha, thanks for taking time to hang a while. It's great to finally get you on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Oh, I've really been looking forward to it. You know, last time we talked, you said you were at the University of Northern Iowa now. What kind of postgraduate studies are you involved in? Uh, are you taking part in any athletics out there? Well, you know, it's it's funny because Northern Iowa, it's a, it's a great school, but it's not the um, athletic powerhouse that Alabama is. And the interesting thing about Northern Iowa is that I get to um, do sports research in the biomechanics lab with exercise physiology, and we get access to the athletes as well. Um, so it, it's a really neat environment where academics and athletics kind of come together. Oh, yeah. I had some uh, exercise physiology and kinesiology, those kind of classes, when I had gone back to school uh, some time ago. Mm -hmm. uh, and you actually have to study for that stuff. That's pretty in-depth stuff. So uh, what did you major in at Alabama? I was a kinesiology undergrad, and uh, I, I just I really enjoyed the uh, sports research side of it. Um, I thought I wasn't going to go into coaching right out of college. Um, to be a, a neat avenue to check out uh, for my graduate studies. Well, you you know you're from Yorktown Heights, New York. When did you become aware of Bama softball, and how did it become a, and how it had become a national power? And what were the things that led you to make a decision to go to college so far away from home? You know, it's funny because when I first started getting recruited for colleges, you know, I thought I had wanted to stay close to home because I really thought. I might get homesick. So my original <laughs> criteria was a small school about two hours away from home. And I remember, you know, I think the first time I ever saw Alabama play, they were playing on a some television station. And I remember my dad pointed out, he goes, he goes, you know what, I've heard a lot about Coach Patrick Murphy. I think he's a great coach. And I remember watching Stephanie Van Brakel pitch, and I was just, you know, I was in awe of the passion and the energy. But still, you know, I had my criteria of two hours away from home. So I, it never even occurred to me that I could play softball at Alabama. It, and uh, I guess it wasn't until I, I guess my junior year in high school I got recruited. I got an email, and they asked, uh, hopefully you can become a part of the Alabama softball family. 
and that family part really stuck with me. And I just, ever since then, I thought, gosh, I was like, this is going to be a whole new family that I, I can experience down there. And if I have family down there, I'm not going to be homesick for my family in New York. And it, it worked out really well. Well, I, you know, I, I saw pictures. I know Murph tries to schedule <clears throat> trips to the parts of the country he recruits people from. I know you guys got to make a trip up to New York last year, and I believe I saw pictures of you guys at Yankee Stadium. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that, that trip was really special just because uh, I know how difficult it would have been to come play in New, in New York during the po- or preseason. I mean, there's just you know no way it's covered in snow for our preseason. But I remember when he said, you know, we're going to we're gonna go to New York. He kind of surprised me with it, and I, I got really choked up, and I was just really thankful that um, we could, as a team, experience something special like that. And, yeah, we, we ended up being able to go to Yankee Stadium, which was awesome. It's just, even if you're a Yankee fan or, or you're not, um, it's a really special uh, oh, yeah. venue to, to tour and to look at. Well, it's, it's kind of like a football fan going to Bryant Denny. Uh, you know, I, it's funny. Exactly. Yeah, uh, and it must have been an awesome thing. Is and, and, and the team was so good all four years you played, uh, and was on TV. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was almost like a TV show. You know, Alabama softball, <laughs> and f- to get to right. go with a national power, a national name, and go back to you know within just a short drive of your home and play in New York must have been a real thrill. Absolutely. And, you know, the funny thing you said, I remember when I went to Alabama my freshman year, I thought we were really good. And I was like, man, I was like, how are we going to top this? And then my sophomore year, same thing. I was like, man, we're awesome. How are we going to top this? And it just seems like every year we got better and better. And and so for my senior year, for my friends and family, you know, to to be able to experience Alabama softball firsthand, I think a lot of them were kind of like, okay, we get it now. We understand why you went so far away from home. We understand why this is worth it for you. And that was really special. That was something really special to share with a lot of people um, who weren't able to make a trip to Alabama during my four years. Well, it's fun to hear you talk about that because I I grew up in Tuscaloosa. I graduated from the Mm -hmm. university. I live in Birmingham, but I'm back and forth all the time. I'm driving down McFarland Boulevard. I'd look over and see the softball stadium that they built in, I believe, 2000. And I think the first year I went to a game was either 2007 or 8, because it was either right before you got there. Uh, I think it was it maybe in Kelsey Dunn's freshman year. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Stephanie was already gone. But I remember reading right. about and seeing about Stephanie, and all of a sudden I'm talking, hearing about women's softball and going, what's going on with this? And so I see a few games on TV. Well, I finally broke down and went to a game, I guess five or six years ago. I was hooked immediately. It's like heroin. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had to go back, uh, and and I still love it, and 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 it's really catching on. And I don't. I, there's so many Alabama fans out there, and just sports fans that I think once they go to a game, they realize uh, that this this deal is a lot of fun. You know, I followed college football recruiting for a long time, but I'm not nearly as knowledgeable about softball recruiting. I can say, though, mm-hmm. that I'm awfully impressed with how Murph has gathered good players from all over North America. What makes him and Allie so effective at identifying prospects and getting them to Tuscaloosa? You know, I think um, I, I think you nailed it on the head, and that's really, that's really what they try to do. They try to get great people to come, you know, not just great softball players. They try to get people who are going to fit um, the puzzle that they have established in Alabama. And I think the what makes it easy for them is they are concrete in their values and they don't budge. If they believe this is the way to success, they're going to stick to it. And I've just been so impressed with them throughout the years that they have picked, 
you know, really people with really great character and really great morals that, you know, that may be possibly lesser talent at the time in high school. And they've just blossomed and they've performed their best at Alabama under Murphy and Alley. And, you know, it's really, um, it's really neat to watch how they can, uh, can evaluate a person and say, okay, you're, you're going to fit in here somehow and you're going to help us win somehow. And, and a lot of people might not see that first. And then all of a sudden, you know, this person's the reason we won a national championship or this person's the reason we win the SEC championship and it's so on and so forth. And it's, um, I think their ability to evaluate, um, you know, their recruits as people first is, uh, is really important and a really, really good trait that they have. Well, you know, yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. Uh, that makes a lot of sense because you can see, you know, watching the better teams on TV, everybody's got a few good players. You know, there's uh, there are good players all over the country. But what I noticed immediately about the team, uh, and, and I'm not just uh, building this up, I'm not exaggerating at all, uh, having watched Alabama teams and college sports for an awfully long time, I think last year's team was as close-knit a team of any kind as I've ever seen. And I noticed that right off the bat several years ago when I started going, that it's almost like, yeah, these kids can all play ball. They're all uh, good athletes. But it's, it is truly fraternal. And that's not a gender-specific mm-hmm. term. That team is uh, in the – that's those scenes from Oklahoma City last year – uh, made that so apparent. That was worth nine jillion dollars in recruiting. Uh, the time we were on TV in Oklahoma City last year, because it was just—it was like a clinic on what a what a bunch of people can do when they're really on the same page and they support each other and they don't care who gets the credit. It was just amazing. Absolutely, absolutely, I agree one hundred percent. And. You know, I think um, every year, I've just heard from newspapers, the ESPN camera crew, everyone ends up cheering for us. You know, if they come in saying, oh, I, don't, I don't really have a team, I'm just here to watch good softball, they end up being on our side. And I think one thing is uh, we had a ton of passion and we were having a ton of fun. And I think it's really easy to root for, for a team that looks like they're really enjoying themselves. And that was something I think we took pride in a lot of. And uh, just really thankful I was able to experience it with, with those guys because, yeah, national championship is great, but – you know, it, it means so much more, um, the fact that we were so close-knit and we did win it for each other. Hey, hey, you know, you hear so much about making the adjustment when you step up from high school ball to college ball, especially to the D1 level and in the SEC. What was the biggest adjustment for you coming in as a freshman, as a ball player? You know, I think for everyone it's really just the speed of the game. You know, because the, the game doesn't change that much. You, you know, there's not, new, there's not really new rules. There's not – too much of changes there, but everything goes faster all of a sudden. The, the ball comes in faster. You know, there's more movement to it. People hit the ball faster. People run faster. You have to feel the ball faster. So, and you know, one thing that Murphy and Alley do a great job of is they make practice ten times harder than a game will ever be. So, you know, as a freshman, you come in and your first couple months, you're like, holy cow, you know, how am I going to catch up with this? And then all of a sudden, you play your first fall game, and you realize just how much preparation Murphy and Alley puts you through, and you know. The, the game kind of slows down. And uh, I think, you know, that, that was the biggest adjustment for probably most of us our freshman year. Hey, you know, it was real obvious you had a great eye for your own strike zone. You rarely swung at bad pitches, especially pitches that are just outside the zone. Good pitchers try to get a batter to swing at and miss. Was that an ability you brought with you, or was it something you developed, or was it a little bit of both? No, I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure. I, it seems like my entire life, he, I was my grandfather had filmed me uh, playing softball since I was little, 
And I remember watching video from when I was 10 years old, and I was, I was still taking <laughs> borderline pitches. And, and he was like, you can hit those. <laughs> yeah, I'd hear him yelling from the outfield. So I don't know. That, that might just be something that, oh, that I always had and um, something I took pride in. I wanted to make a pitcher work, and uh, I felt like I was going to be able to get a, a good pitch out of her to hit. Oh, I thought and, uh, I you think know, you. Worked out. Oh, I think you led the nation last year, at least on televised <laughs> games, and getting the pitcher to scrunch her face up because I mean you just wouldn't swing <laughs> at bad pitches, and she's throwing all that stuff yeah. trying to be cute out just outside the edge of the plate, and you're standing there and watching the catcher throw it back to her, you know. So it was it, it was it was like a clinic in not swinging at bad pitches, man. You were great at that. You know, TV commentators talked about that too, like you were saying. Uh, you know, one thing I noticed too about you guys. Is when I started watching the team, uh, and I know this reflects on coaching and preparation, but when you step into the batter's box, and because it's on TV and there's close-ups, it's like your little rituals at the plate, the process you go through, you know, a, a swing in between pitches, and you relax, and you gather yourself, you take a deep breath. It's, right. al- it's almost like this is very, you know, there's a plan for everything, everything, mm-hmm. down to uh, when you step into the box, when you step out, you know, the, the whole thing looks like there, there's so much thought put into it, and there's actually very little variation from player to player. Is, is that an intentional thing? You know, we had a sports psychologist uh, come in my sophomore year, and he, he started talking about routines, and he said, you know, if you're able to have a routine, it's going to be able to calm you down during big moments because you're going to do the same thing every time. And you're going to make sure you take your deep breath. And if you complete your routine, it's just it's going to get you back to where you need to be to be successful. And so that was a great tool that our sports psychologist gave us. But at the same time, Coach Murphy, Allie, um, and, you know, Steph, our senior year, everyone was on the same page. And, you know, even during batting practice, it was, you know, practice your routine. And what goes along with that physical action is a, is a mental routine as well. We tell ourselves the same thing at the plate every time. You know, everyone has their own personal swing thought that works best for them. Um, sometimes you need a swing thought to pump you up a little bit during um, a low on a game, and then sometimes you need a swing thought to calm yourself down when you're, you know, in the national championship on ESPN. It's, it's something to uh, – it's a really, really uh, neat tool that's not, you know, that's, that's not necessarily something everyone sees, but it, it's, it's nice that you were able to pick up on it because that, I think that was really what separated um, our success in the World Series from year to year. Uh, you know, we talked about this a few days ago for a minute, but you did such a great job at first base, uh, and you made so many catches where you had to stretch way out. And I mean, just it was like a contortionist. I'm sure you'd torn something loose a few times, but you popped right. I thought you'd killed yourself out there a couple of times. You your belly flopped one day, hit the ground so hard. I thought, well, she's dead, you know. Uh, and I was just sitting up there worried, like a, a grandparent or something. Were you always that flexible, or did you guys have a really good? Uh, uh, range of motion and flexibility program, or or was it just luck? You know what? It, it's really funny because they always say, um, you know, there's something good that comes out of adversity. There, you know, everyone always says something. And I remember my freshman year of college, I come in, I start heavy lifting, and we find out I've got a bunch of issues with my back that we didn't know about before. And I, you know, I was I was really hurting for a while with, with back problems and. One way to help back problems is to go into a stretching program. So every single day since about halfway through my freshman year, I'd go to the trainer for a stretching program. I'd go to the strength coach for a Pilates program. And also I started, you know, my freshman, sophomore year, I was mainly in the outfield. But when I got back to first base, I was like, hey, now, huh? <laughs> you know, I can stretch a lot further than I remember being able to stretch. So 
um, you know, when my back finally healed up, I was a lot more flexible than I was um, coming in my freshman year. And that was, that was definitely a, you know, a great thing that came through um, some adversity. So I do think um, it's probably a little bit of both. Probably a little bit of me playing first base my entire life, and then the stretching program definitely um, helped me out a ton. Oh, well, but the results were obvious because uh, you know I was sitting up there thinking, gosh, she's made out of rubber. I mean, I, if you know, if I'd have done something like that, I'd been at Druid City Hospital in thirty minutes. The, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I I had the same problems early, and, and I got into a stretching thing, and it's really helped me too. Of course, now I time my forty yard dash with a sundial. Uh, you know, I thought last year's <laughs> bunch was like I was talking uh, about earlier was about as tight knit a, a team as I've ever seen. It was so clear you guys were all incredibly close. Coach Bryant used to call that having one heartbeat, and it was fascinating to watch. What's it like being part of that all the way through school? You know, I, gosh, I just got goosebumps thinking about it. I don't know if I've exactly found the words for it, and I remember um, the morning of day three of the national championship game, Jazz uh, Lonsford had texted me. We were, we were in our hotel, and she texted me. She's like, you know, I've heard so many people – after they win championships in their interview saying something just clicks and something just happens and there's really no words for it. And she goes, and I feel that right now. And, you, and you're just kind of at a loss of words. It's this, it's this feeling that unless you were there, unless you were a part of it, I mean, you get it, but it's really, it, I, I haven't been able to explain it to anyone else. It's, it's so special. And it's, um, it's neat to be in a situation where you have a moment or a feeling that's just so much bigger than you. And you know, you could have never experienced that feeling unless you had the 20 other people with you. Um, so it's, it's something that you could have only felt with the help of other people, and, and it's really special. You know, one of the things that makes the this Alabama softball thing so special, and it really is special, I'm not exaggerating that at all, is the relationship between the team and the fans and the community. You know, because you guys don't wear caps except when you're at bat, you know, batting helmets. Uh, and on base, you can see the players' faces. You know, it's on TV, and you get to know the players as people, and it makes pulling for the team just that much more intense and personal. And the players delivering season tickets in person—what a great idea that's been! And as you know, and as much as our fans love all our teams, I think I really think the bond between them and the softball team is not only strong, but like I say, it's very personal. Do the girls on the team get a sense of that? I definitely, I think so, and I think that's one of the coolest things about being a college athlete in a college town like Tuscaloosa is, you know, everyone, gosh, everybody in the stands had our back, no matter what, rain or shine, you know, tough lows in the season or, you know, highs of highs, lows of lows, and, and to be able to have that personal uh, relationship with fans and to see fans coming back and to know that we were role models for kids who are younger and to know we had the support for people who are older than us, it was it was awesome, and um Really, really thankful. I think I can speak for my entire team and the entire program. Just, just how thankful we are for that relationship because that really does make your four-year experience that much more special. You know, I, I'm glad you mentioned that about the kids. Uh, something I noticed immediately. Uh, it was the relationship between the girls on the team, and especially a lot of the younger girls, young girl, you know, grade school age girls, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old. They absolutely adore you people. You looked up; you're their heroes. I uh, saw the picture uh, the other day on Facebook of a uh, uh, cute little girl with a jersey on with your number on it and your name on the back <laughs> of it. You know, it's yeah. just, and I really think it gives them 
something to latch on to. I mean, you know, Alabama's got nine jillion football fans, and I'm as big one as, as any. But but it's real obvious that the softball thing has tapped into a place that hasn't necessarily been been tapped into before. Um, you know, you guys beat a lot of good teams last year, including a great Oklahoma team. But Tennessee, Florida, right. LSU were pretty tough, too. I mean, there are not many days mm-hmm. off in the SEC. Which of the teams that you guys played during the year seemed the toughest to you personally? Oh, man. You know, gosh, we, we, you know if you go back to our regionals, even, uh, we were the only regional that had a conference champion every single – team in that regional was a conference champion and then you go to our super regional and we played michigan was their conference champion and then you know california won the pac-12 and oklahoma was their conference champion so you know we had not only you play talented teams you played teams that had won championships and and knew how to stick together and knew how to play at their best and i think you know anytime you play someone with a great pitcher they're going to be difficult tennessee had two great pitchers in ivy and ellen and you had cal with billy henderson who's he's Still an unbelievable pitcher, but I, I'd have to say Oklahoma was probably our toughest matchup, and I think that's why um, everyone on the team is just so proud of, of our championship because we, we played our best when it mattered the most and when we needed to. And you know, Kalani Ricketts I think is one of the best pitchers in the country. They have one of the most impressive offensive offensive teams in the country. Uh, they were just all around um, a powerhouse, and I think it's showing this year too. They're they're still continuing to play well. Um, so I'm going to have to say Oklahoma was probably our toughest opponent last year. You know, one of the things that I thought was really cool, and I saw almost every game, and I, I was at the Michigan series, is that we were the first team, you guys are the first team, uh, east of the Mississippi to win the Women's College World Series, uh, other than Michigan, and you had to beat Michigan mm-hmm. to get to it. So so that was really cool. Yeah. You know, that week and a half in OKC was so awesome. Uh, we had fans that mm-hmm. went out and stayed the whole time. Sarah Patterson was right there in the thick of it. And bless his heart, Coach Moore was right there that last night at, yeah. <laughs> at 72 years old, standing around in the rain. What are the some of the mm-hmm. What are the, some of the things that stick out to you most about being out there in OKC? Because that was just one of the greatest scenarios I've ever seen. You know, it's it's funny because I always think about our bus ride pulling up to the stadium for the first time. And I don't know if you've ever been on a bus with uh, a college team, but, you know, there's 20 girls and there's, you know, four or five coaches and the support staff. There's a lot of people on the bus and it's loud and there's probably music playing. And But when whenever that bus turned around the corner and you got to see Hall of Fame Stadium, it, it got silent and everyone just was looking at the field. Like it, it's just—it's a really, really special venue. It's the—it's the place that we all grew up watching. That was our those our heroes played on that field when we grew up. We would we would huddle around ESPN and we'd look at that field and we'd watch people in our sport win the championship on that field. And it's just there's something really special about it. And it's not—it may not be the nicest dugout, the, the, it may not be the nicest field, but it is the coolest venue in college softball. And it's. It's just, I, you know, when I look back at video of us winning it now, I'm like, man, that, you know, we did it. We, we, we won at the highest level in our sport right now. You know, that now that Olympics is out, it's really um, the College World Series has become what little kids will look up to and aspire to play at. So that was just, it's just a really, really special place to be. And I think any, any college softball fan, any professional softball fan, they have got to check out Oklahoma City one time just, just to watch a World Series because it's, it's a lot of special things happened on that field. Oh, it was you know, in that final game. 
that was that was as exciting a night of Alabama sports is is just about anything I've ever been through. Uh, I'm standing up in the middle of my living room, jumping up and down and screaming and yelling, and I'm by myself, you know, and clapping hands. Yeah. Uh, you know, they jump out to a lead, then the rain delay, then you guys start making history standing out in it, leading cheers, and you just absolutely yank the momentum right out of Oklahoma's hands. The game resumed play late. I mean, it was midnight before it was over, but I'll never forget yeah. it. And in, in, the, in the next week, uh, everybody I talk to, even people that don't follow sports or Alabama sports, are going, yeah, I saw it. Yeah, I watched that whole thing. Man, that was amazing. <laughs> you know, everybody. Yeah. And, the, and the TV ratings were actually three times what they'd ever been before. So that was, you know, being part of that, which is just a lifetime experience. You know, I drove down from Birmingham the next day uh, to meet the team at the airport along with several hundred other people. And it was as much like a family reunion as a pep rally. Uh, and I know you guys were exhausted. I know you got no sleep. You were probably up all night. But you were so gracious, and you all took time to visit with the people, especially the kids. Was it a thrill to look out the window and see all those people waiting for you at the airport? Because that's usually – the football team's usually the only, only, only group that gets that. <laughs> you, you know, there's – everyone, there was a lot of times that I got choked up just because, you know – Gosh, it was it was my last college softball game. I was able to win it. I don't know how many people get to say that, and just a lot of special things associated with it. So, uh, I remember when when that plane landed. I mean, we we, we figured there's going to be some people there, but we didn't realize it was going to be that many, and how loud it was. And I just remember, I remember standing up, and I remember looking at Kendall because she had the trophy, and I was like, "You ready?" And and Murphy goes, "Seniors first off the plane." So we walked down, and I remember right when I stuck my head out, just how loud fans were there and then hear Sweet Home Alabama start playing over the loudspeaker. I got choked up all over again. Oh, that, that, yeah, that, that was that's, awesome. That scene of the six of you with the trophy holding hands, walking across the tarmac, you know, that's like the Marines on, on Iwo Jima, you know? I mean, that was so, so cool. Well, gosh, uh, mm -hmm. one other quick thing. You were, and speaking of those six seniors, that was one special senior class. Those six girls that got off that plane with that trophy that day uh, played their way into an awful lot of hearts. Can you talk just very quickly about about those girls. You got Amanda, Jen, Jazz, Kendall, Olivia. Tell us a little bit about your your feelings about them. You know, gosh, those are some of my best friends you just you just named, and I am I cannot tell you how thankful I am that we ended up at Alabama at the right time because you know, just, there's a million and one things that had to go right for all of us to be at Alabama our freshman year. Something clicked our freshman year. And we just we wanted it so bad. We wanted it so bad for each other. We wanted it so bad for the team and for the coaches. And, uh, you know, just for that class to be able to go out the way we did, um, I, I mean, there's there's nothing else I could have asked for. There was nothing else we could have won that last year. And uh, just really special bond and camaraderie. I mean, I talked to Amanda Watt for an hour last night. I talked to Kendall yesterday. I, I talked to one of them at least once or twice a week, and it's just it's a special bond that um, not only I'm thankful that I got to play with them, but I have them as friends for life yeah. now, and that's and that's really special to me too. Well, I, you know, and and as a Tuscaloosa native, as an Alabama graduate, an Alabama sports fan, I want you to know how much I appreciate all you guys uh, and how proud. I am of you and how proud so, so many people are. Uh, you know, there, there may be – I mean, you guys went 60-8 and eight last year. You won the World uh, Women's College World Series. You won a national championship. Uh, there may be teams in our future that, that maybe they'll break those statistical records, but you guys set the bar – 
for being a team. And and that's and that's I just a, that. that's that's just an awesome thing. We are just about out of time. Cassie, thanks so much uh, for taking oh, time absolutely. to talk thanks to for us. Having me. Oh, it's just a treat, and we ho- hope you'll uh, uh, visit with us again sometime. Oh, I will. I will be back in Alabama for sure. I'm sure I'll see you then. <laughs> well, if if I see you at the stadium, I'll be sure and holler at you. Roll Tide. All right, Roll Tide. It was so cool having Cassie with us today on Bama Talk Show number 33 because she's just an awesome addition to a great group of guests we've had on the show so far. We want to make sure you know you can listen to any show anytime you like, as much as you like, because once we post them on the internet, you can access any of them 24-7. If you got buddies that might like to listen to Bama Talk, let them know they can find the show in the podcast section of iTunes or on Stitcher, which comes as standard equipment on most new cars, or at bigbrainsmedia.com. And you can follow Bama Talk Show on Twitter now, too. Like I mentioned a minute ago, this is our 33rd show, and we've had a super lineup of guests share a lot of great stories that we want to encourage you to go back and listen to. We had Dr. James Sanderson on our very first show back in August. He was a trainer for five years in the 70s under Coach Bryant, and he's very involved with the A-Club and Rivals Unite. Chris Goode started at Bama, then spent seven years in the NFL. Bob Lockamy shared his views after having been in so many sports-related ventures, including a stint as Paul Feinbaum's original sidekick. Million-dollar band director Catherine Scott, Tide quarterback Tyler Watts, Jeremiah Castile talked about his time on the team and the three sons he sent to Tuscaloosa. Buddy Adelette, Jerry Duncan. Bobby Humphrey came on the show, but no, he didn't tell us where his son Marlon's going to go. Not yet, anyway. Uh, Baron Huber talked about leaving Tennessee to play for the Tide. D. Powell played for Coach Brian at Texas A&M and coached under him at Bama. Young bloods like Brian Selman and Lee Tiffin. Will Lowry, who walked on and made the team. Thomas Rayum of Desperation Block fame. Brandon Gibson, Martin Houston. Tuscaloosa Mayor Walt Maddox shared his insights about the relationship between the city of Tuscaloosa and the university and the huge economic impact game days have on the community. Eddie Conyers talked about his 50-plus years refereeing Bama football practice. Ben Cook came on and talked about his many years in the media. Carson Tinker and Jeremy Shelley shared what it was like being on back-to-back national championship teams. We were blessed to be able to have Bart Starr on the show, a Bama grad that played quarterback for the Green Bay Packers under Vince Lombardi and not only led the Packers to wins in the first two Super Bowls, but was named the MVP in both games. John Croyle came by and talked about passing on a pro football career to create Big Oak Ranch, where they've provided a home for over 1,900 children the past 40 years. Bama head softball coach Patrick Murphy took time to talk about the stunning success his programs produced in just 17 seasons. Former Alabama defensive coordinator and interim head coach Joe Kynes. Crimson Tide Sports Network color commentator Phil Savage shared an insider's perspective on the process Coach Saban's put in place, and Murray Legg gave us a little glimpse of what it was like to play at Bama and to be on the field for the goal line stand. And the best thing about it is you can hit that play button whenever it best suits you, and there's also a free podcast app available for your smartphone or tablet that lets you listen on the go, like while you're taking a few swings in the old batting cage, or while you're playing in an alumni flag football game, or you could listen later on the way to the emergency room. Just remember to hit that subscribe button, and it'll make saving every show easy and automatic. Well, it's time to head for the locker room, so for Mark Phillips, James Spann, and everybody behind Bama Talk at Big Brains Media, we hope you enjoyed it, because we had a ball, y'all. Till next time, take care, 
Have a blessed day and roll tide.